Well, it's good to see you on a Wednesday night. Has anybody ever been in a play? Like a church play? I, I, I was thinking back this last week, and I was thinking back to uh, when I was in um, middle school at our church, uh, we kind of got the idea that back then, um, video cameras were, were barely out. I don't think it was a Super 8. I think it was a real video camera, but it was huge. And I remember our, our Sunday school teacher was over putting on the kids, our youth Christmas play, and they were going to video it for the first time. It was very exciting. So uh, we got parts, and we were doing something along the lines of Charlie Brown Christmas. And so my middle name is Charles, but that's not the part I got. I got Pigpen. And um, <laughs> we were very, very low budget. So uh, basically, we showed up to shoot this thing, and um, the teacher was going to drive us around to different locations that she had the script all written out. And um, so when I showed up, I just showed up, and you know, she said to wear some dirty clothes. So I showed up in what my mom would consider dirty clothes, which wasn't really dirty, because she always would say, probably what you all as moms would say, this is a representation of me. I can't send you out in that. And so anyway, I got there, and um, right away the lady says, she goes, uh, that's not going to work. So she got some hairspray, and she messed up all my hair, and I had hair. So she messed up my hair, and then, I am not kidding you, what she said was, I just need you to go, go roll around in the dirt for a while. This is how low budget we were. We couldn't do makeup. It was real dirt. So I, 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 I like, okay. So I came back, and then that wasn't enough. So then she started rubbing dirt on my face. I mean, it was legit. Like, this is real method acting. So I will never forget that because I was really filthy. And then um, my mom came to pick me up at the church, and she wouldn't let me, let me get in the car because I was too dirty to get in the car. So she went home and got other clothes for me to wear to take me. I mean, that's how bad it was. But that was dirty. That was probably the dirtiest with like legit dirt I have ever been. But I've been around some other places which I got dirty. I mean, I'm sure you have too, right? You've been around things that kind of rub off on you and maybe it's a smell or maybe it's something else. But, and I don't know if you've done this before, but when, especially when I lived in the LA area, we used to do a lot with homeless people down in Skid Row and in LA. And that, that area is... It's overwhelming, mind-boggling, the amount of people who are there. Just the, it, it's just incredible. I, I remember first, the first time I was actually down there, I went down, there's a friend of mine who had a ministry office right down there, right around the corner from 5th and Town, downtown LA, which is their skid row. And he said, hey, let's go walking around and just, I want to show you some of these things. So we're walking around the streets, and I, I maybe you've been around people like this that are so dirty that the body odor is, you can taste it. Has anybody ever felt that? It's almost a spicy smell. I mean, at some point, it's, it's so strong and overwhelming that, you know, at first, it may turn your stomach, but then after a minute, there's, I don't know how to explain it, but you're, you're around it. Then I remember we, were walk, we walked around this one corner, and there was nobody there. And I said, why is anybody on this street? And he said, well, the sun's on this street. <laughs> they're not going to be here till the shade is here. He goes, but you can tell where they were laying, and you could see these lines of human oils that were kind of outlined where bodies would be camped out. I, I'd never really seen that before. And then when we got back to his office, um, as we walked in there, he said, you may want to change your shirt, you know, before you get back, or when you get back. And I didn't notice at the time, but that smell, I mean, we were around people work, walking in and around people, 
it was so strong. The only other time I've been around a body odor like that, unfortunately, we had, the first time I went to the Statue of Liberty, has anybody ever been up in there? If you've been up in there, uh, we went there and it was a super hot day in New York. It was over 100. I don't know what it was, but uh, the elevator wasn't working for some reason. So we went up the stairs. Has anybody been in there? Uh, just a couple, right? If you've never been in there, the staircase is really steep and winding. So if you have been, you'll know what I'm talking about. Like when you're stepping on this stair, you're, you're looking in kind of the back of the person ahead of you because they're that close. And it just so happened the people all around us, it was unbelievable. There's some other smells I think about that just are dirty. I remember one time my dad came home from hunting and he had, he had uh, scared up a skunk. And uh, <laughs> this was before cell phones or anything. So when he got to the house, you know, he knocked on the door and, and uh, that was kind of weird. And uh, we're like, what's going on? You know, and, and, and he was like, my mom had to go buy tomato juice, like big cans of tomato juice and put it in the tub. And he, he was outside and stripped down outside and ran in the house and got in the tub, you know, and they just threw his clothes away. I kind of get that too with uh, garlic. Does anybody do this? Every time I've eaten garlic, I'll come home. My wife's like, have you been eating garlic? I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, but it, it just, I just think like it. I smell like it. It's weird in how that happens, isn't it? How those odors follow you around and. It's like almost nothing you can do to cleanse yourself. I think about there's times where like even with bad breath, and I know some people in the morning, it's just horrible. And, and um, I've, I've heard all these commercials about you got to cure it at the source. Have you heard these? And it might be a product that you, you swallow like this little tiny pill, and then it'll take care of whatever I guess is in your stomach causing it. Or, or maybe it's scope or Listerine or mints or gum or whatever. But I think about this. I think there's times when our mind gets like that. And our, our brain really needs a shower. Have you ever felt like that? That there's times where, I know I've been talking about gross smells, but there's times when those kind of things kind of linger in our mind. And it's almost as if you can't get clean. And sometimes you don't even notice it. You're walking around and it's in there and other people might sense it or smell it. And there's things that you, that you put in your mind that, that leave a residue that leave an odor that you're probably even unaware of maybe sometimes. I think about movies. There's some movies, certain topics. I, you know, when I think about going to the movies, there's certain movies that I know maybe, maybe they're popular or whatever, but I don't want to see it because I struggle with, I, I don't want to go to a movie and see like all the horrible things that people do to each other. I want to go and escape. I want to see people win and the good guy win. And I want to see happy endings because the world is like that. I don't want to see that in, in the movies. There's times, though, when we're overwhelmed maybe with something in a movie. Maybe it's violence or sex or degrading language and even TV shows. Have you noticed this, that, that there's certain values and morals that are portrayed in these shows, but they're portrayed in such a way that kind of in a way they sneak by our defenses because either it's done with humor or it's the heroes or it's the most clever person there, but they're living a lifestyle that is completely against your values completely against everything you would believe in, but they justify it and they sneak it by you. It's almost as if they break down our defenses with, with humor or, or beauty sometimes or, or just entertainment. Song lyrics do the same thing. You know, they teach values and they teach philosophies and they do it in a catchy way and you find yourself singing a tune. And have you ever noticed that, that you might know the words to a song and you never even try to memorize it? It's just in there. Because it's flowing over us all the time. 
Something else that's bothered me a lot is, you know, there might be a certain song or even a band that's popular, and then you find out about the lifestyle or the belief system or the values of the person singing the song, and I can't get with that anymore. I can't, I can't be a fan anymore. I can't be a fan of the song even because sometimes you know what the person really meant when they wrote it, or, or maybe, maybe that song was nothing, had nothing to do with, with really who they are, and you think, how could they have written that? And maybe they didn't write it. Maybe somebody else wrote it, and they just made money from it, but still... Those things, they can leave a residue in your mind and in your heart, and that stuff can be tough to shake. How about when your kids come home from school and they have new vocabulary words? You ever had that happen? And you say, what did you say? Then they say it again, and you're like, what? And they say it again, and you're like, oh, I just made them say it three times. And then they like... What does that mean? You don't even know what that means. And then they don't, and they just said it, and so-and-so said it. But they know, may know when to say it because it's so, it was said when somebody was angry or said to somebody, so they know how, how it fits in sentence, but they don't know what it means. And you're overwhelmed and wondering, where in the world did you learn that? Oh, my gosh. There's times where we need our mind cleansed. We need it washed. We need it power washed sometimes. The Bible actually gives us a remedy for that. And I think it's interesting, especially um, in this verse right here. This verse is kind of the whole verse that got me thinking this way. You need a mind bath. And this is Ephesians chapter 5, verse, starting at verse 25b. It says, as Christ loved the church, he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. We're the church. He wants us to be washed and cleansed by his word. And he did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. Holy and without fault. That's what he wants for us. So there are times when you need to power wash your brain from things that you've let in there. So here's what I want us to do and consider tonight. We're gonna, I want us to look at the Bible in a totally different way than maybe you ever looked at it before, but actually look at it as a tool that God would use to wash your brain, to wash your mind, to take whatever is in there and clean it out. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you think about it in a different way. And I know that some of you have specific Bible studies you do from time to time, or maybe you're involved in heart to heart and you're working a Bible study there. Or maybe you have a version reading plan and you have a friend you're working through that with. All that's wonderful. I'm going to challenge you to do maybe something in addition to that. Because there's times where, where it might be different than reading for study because I don't know about you, but when I'm reading and I'm studying a certain thing, I'm, I'm fascinated by a word and I get off onto this and this and this and all that's good. But I'm going to challenge you to do maybe something a little different. Maybe it, it might mean actually reading and, and studying a certain topic and letting God use that topic to wash your mind through. It might mean... It might mean um, taking a certain passage in the, in the Bible and reading it over and over, or maybe an entire letter in the New Testament. And I know you realize this, but in the New Testament, most of those letters were intended to be read all in one sitting. Typically, we don't do that. We read a section, maybe a paragraph or, or maybe a chapter, but we don't often read the entire letter because there's a whole message in the whole thing. They have a Paul or, or John or whoever was Peter, whoever's writing those, they wrote them for a purpose. And sometimes you don't pick it up unless you read the whole thing in one setting. And most of them are short enough that it's not that big a deal to even do it. 
But if you were to take a section or even one verse and to let God speak to you, what would start to happen is he would start to wash your mind in a way that's different than any other thing. Let me give you just a short example. What I'm going to do is I want you to take a look at this verse up on the screen. Or there it is. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. This is the New Living Translation. It may not be as familiar to you as other translations. But here's what I want everybody to do. I want you to read this verse quietly in your own mind. Then I want us to all shut our eyes. And I want you to ask God, what are you saying to me in this verse? Let's do that real quick. Okay. What did it, what did you hear? I'm just curious. Not everybody has to share, but some somebody tell me what you what you got out of that. Yeah. Wow. Okay. What was it? I'm just kidding. <laughs> just joking. <laughs> what um what uh, anybody else? Yes. Keep renewing your faith. Okay. What else? Yeah. The, the clean heart part? Oh, okay. Oh, the renewing. Oh, duh. Okay. 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 Oh, that you can't create it. He has to do it. Oh, that's good. Maybe he was whispering right between you. Oh. Okay, okay. I want to do it now. We're going to do it again, and this time I want us to all read it aloud, and then take a moment, just kind of shut your eyes and listen and see what God would say to us. So let's read it together. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Right? What did, what did somebody get from that different? What did God say to you? What part stood out that time, different than before? Within you. Anybody else? Yeah. Your loyalty to God. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Janine said, if you have a clean heart, your mouth won't speak evil to you. My mom used to always say, from the heart, the mouth speaks. Anytime I'd say, <laughs> uh, what else? Yeah. Say again. Loyal and trust in him. Okay, let's do it one more time. Again, a little differently. And uh, this time, let me read it. And you kind of shut your eyes and just hear what God says to you. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Okay. What else did you hear? Could be anybody. Yes, Dave. Okay. 
uh, Dave said, without a clean heart and a loyal spirit, we break relationship with God, and he wants that more than we do. Yeah. Have you ever had an experience where you've been working with somebody or helping somebody? It could be your, a child, your child, anybody, and it seems like they just don't want to do it, and you know it's the best thing for them, and you can't want it more than they do, and yet that's the, us and God all the time. Anybody else? Yes. That's okay. Deborah said, uh, clean hearts kind of like what's in the past, taking care of that. And then the loyal spirit is going forward. And what will help us from needing to have a clean heart <laughs> going down the road. Here's, here's what's amazing about that. You know, the Bible clearly says that the Holy Spirit will teach us as we read. And the thing is, this is a really short verse. I mean, of all the verses we could have looked at, it's very short. Now, of course, it does have a lot of meaning packed in there. But you could do this with a portion of Scripture, I mean, a longer one. And you could be doing this all day long where God shows you different things and, you, and our minds pick up different things and different, different senses of what God is saying in a Scripture. And that process alone would cleanse your mind in a way that very few things would do. It's a, it's a process that you choose to take part in. Let me just run through a couple other ways God would, could cleanse your mind, give you a bath in the, in the head there. One of the things I, I like to do a lot is when I, when I read a certain story or an example in Scripture, you know, a lot of times what I do is, my first impression is, because we, we know the end of the, all the stories. It's like there's no surprises left, because you've read it before. You've grown up in kindergarten you, or uh, church, and you know what the story's going to be. So there's times where it's easy to, to roll right over the characters that are in there and the things that they're doing and the, the mistakes they make or the victories or what they represent. But if, if you take the time and say, you look at a certain character and say, what, what is it about him that I relate to or her or how would I have been different or, or would I have responded better or not or the same? And I, I just jotted down a bunch. I mean, I think about Philip and his profession of faith and think about John and he keeps referring to himself as Jesus' friend. Remember that? I mean, basically he's saying, I'm Jesus' best friend. Yeah, the other guys are there, but I'm, I was closer to him. Would it be that way for you? If you were one of the 12, I mean, can you imagine what that would have been like? Living with Jesus, sleeping where he was sleeping, eating with him, being there during the miracles. And, and, and John's his best friend. He was the closest of the disciples. It's just, a, I don't know, I wonder where I would have fit there. Think about John Mark. You know how he's the one who, who originally, he was Barnabas' nephew, and he went with Paul and Barnabas on the first missionary journey. And right in the beginning there, he quits we don't know all the details, but he goes home. And then on the second missionary journey, Barnabas wanted to take John again, or Mark, John Mark, Mark. And Paul says, there is no way. And it was such a sharp division between them. They split. Paul went with Silas. Barnabas went with somebody else. And then later in scripture, we see Paul say, bring Mark. He's valuable to me. We're all Mark, aren't we? <laughs> We've all been there and quit and given up and yet God does amazing things, and we're valuable again. Failure, quitting, then restoration. Think about King David. I guess there's a, is that a TV miniseries coming out about him? Is that, 
Have you guys seen this king and something? Or kings and prophets? I, I, that's David, right? Is that what they're doing? Anyway, I mean, I look at that and I think about David and the many triumphs and yet the abject failure. Failure as a husband, failure as a father. Put yourself into those shoes and contemplate God. Think about King Saul, impatience and disobedience and Moses, frustration with God and insecurity in his calling and Aaron making the golden calf and then there's redemption and Elisha wanting so much the double portion of Elijah's blessing and sticking with it. The rich young ruler and Jesus said, you've done everything right, but now give away everything you own. I mean, what if God called you to that? Or what has he called you to? Think about the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son, and who are you in that story? Are you the older brother who was frustrated that the son could still get redemption? The thing is, what God is trying to do with his word over and over and over, he's trying to do this, Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world because that's what gets in your mind and, and soils your mind. That's the dirt and the residue and the things that get in your mind is that behavior and customs of the world. But let God transform you and cleanse you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will, which is good, perfect, and are pleasing and perfect. It's really transformation at the character level, at your core. It's the way you think. He's going to reorganize. I love this. It's going to reorganize your neural pathways. Do you realize that happens? When you read a certain thing, it actually reorganizes the way your brain works. I know that sounds weird, but has anybody ever read like an English author? You know how they spell different? They word things different. It's still English. I mean, we can read it. But there's times at first when you're reading, it's a little awkward. I was, I was saying this to somebody the other day, and they weren't old enough to remember this. But did anybody ever see Macbeth that, um, oh, what was, uh, Mel Gibson did? Did anybody see that movie? How many? Seriously. Five of us? Well, he does it in Old English. He does it in the Shakespearean English. In the first five minutes, I almost left because I thought, I know it's English, but I can't understand a thing he's saying. But it was so weird. If you stick with it, after a while, you're li- you're, you don't even realize you're, because your mind is like that. And what happens is your mind literally creates different pathways for you to understand. Is The more time you spend in the word, it not only cleanses your mind, but it shapes the way you think. And that's what we want. That's what we want. And I, you know, it doesn't matter really what version you read. I, I, I recommend you read whatever is comfortable for you. I've said this many times. The reason I use the New Living the most is because it flows in the English that most people speak today. It flows that way. Uh, it's different than like, I know some people really like the message. I think the message is great, but to me, it's almost too colloquial where this flows but it's different. I know there's a lot of times where I'm reading a verse that seems so familiar to me, but it's different, you know, than the, the way I have it memorized. But it flows. Whatever it takes, use whatever it takes. And the point, the whole goal is that you would have the mind of Christ, literally his mind. When I read this in scripture, mind of Christ, I remember years ago reading that, and I, I got to thinking, does that mean I'm going to think the way Christ thought? you know what? That's what it means. That's his goal is for us to think the way he thought. How many have read that book, um, uh, In His Steps by Charles Sheldon? That's where they got the whole, what would Jesus do from? Really only three of us have read that? 
I mean, it's a it's an old, old book, but still, the whole point was, what would Jesus do? The idea was, any situation I'm in, I'm going to consider, what would Jesus do? How do you know what Jesus would do? You get his mind. You get his mind. Let's, let's read that right out of second, uh, 1 Corinthians. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. That's pretty high. That's a pretty high proclamation there, isn't it? I mean, who has the mind of Christ? Paul is saying this when he, in the first part of chapter two here, he says, when I came to you before, I didn't preach in all this flowery language. I wasn't trying to impress you. He says, I spoke plainly. I almost said in plain English, but he didn't speak English. He just spoke plainly. He spoke so they could understand. And then he goes on to explain that even though I spoke plainly, people couldn't understand. Why couldn't they understand? Because their minds were still contaminated and dirty. And what they needed to do is have the mind of Christ. They needed to know the Lord's thoughts. And how do you do that? You do that by being washed over by the word. You get the mind of Christ by spending that time. And I want to clarify something. It's not really about quality. I mean, quantity. It's really about quality. But quantity is good. I mean, the more you read, the better. I mean, I, I get that. But what I'm really talking about tonight is it's not a competition with being able to read a ton and, you know, and, and, and reading tons and tons of scripture. Uh, that's good. But it's not about that. It's about what you let God do with it in your mind, how you let it affect your mind. And I used that example just a little while ago with that very, very short verse. And God showed different ones of us different things. And we all had the opportunity to learn a lot through one small verse. The difference is, where are you at when you read it? Do you approach Scripture humbly? Are you ready to hear what he has to say? Have you ever heard that phrase, you know, that teachable being teachable? You ever heard that? I mean, that's, you know, that's something that involves a humility and wanting to learn. You know, they, I've heard counselors say this before, that, you know, that old joke about how many, how many people does it take to take, change a light bulb? Well, with a counselor, it depends on if the light bulb wants to be changed or not. Because the fact is, you're not going to change somebody unless they really want to be changed. And the same is true with us. If we don't want the word to wash our minds, then it's not going to work anyway. You can read all the Bible in one sitting, and it won't do a thing. On the other hand, you could read one verse like we read a few minutes ago, Psalm 5110, and that can revolutionize your life because you want him to. You want him to. It changes everything. Are you teachable? Are you, are you humble enough for his spirit to actually make a difference? And really, the word of God is amazing. I mean, every time I open it, I'm overwhelmed by the, how vast it is. I'm overwhelmed that, you know, over 44, 44 probably writers, over 1,500 years, yet the book has incredible unity. As you read through it, you know, you don't find contradictions. You find a... a a thought and a progression and a, and a story of redemption that goes through the whole book. Now, with that, let's 
let's be careful not to cherry pick things because there's times where we just read the parts we like. You know what I'm talking about? There's times where there's comfortable things and then we skip over the things that challenge us or maybe correct us or maybe tell us, you know, an area that we need to fix. I think it's so interesting that you saw gossip in there because I try not to read those parts. I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. But still, we do that. I want to encourage you to read the whole thing. 2 Timothy 3, 15 to 16 says, you've been taught the holy scriptures from childhood. This is Paul writing to his protege, Timothy. And they have given you the wisdom to receive salvation that comes from trusting in Jesus. He credits the wisdom to trust in salvation from reading the scriptures. All scripture is inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people for every good work. He uses it to wash your brain, to power wash your brain. He uses it for that. He uses it for that. Oh, my goodness. When you are washed in the word, you you are the best possible version of you. I think about this a lot, too. You know, God made us a certain way, and he has a certain plan for us. And we miss it if we allow that other stuff to creep in there. But if you, if you, if you live the way he intended, you're going to live as children of light, and that light will be obvious to everybody. So Jesus, I mean, he used that illustration or that imagery of light all the time, and he said, you know, how could a light be hidden if it should be placed on a hill? And the fact is, the more you live in that clean state, you will be around people, and the, the light of, of Christ in you will bring conviction on them, which may even be offensive to them. That may happen. You know what I like to tell people? I mean, I've heard people say this to me, like, oh, you think you're better than me. No, not really, but I think the way I'm living is better than what you're living. The outcome is better. I mean, it's sometimes it's even, you know, it's easy to show them without even bringing a scripture in. I don't even have to do that. I can just show them practically. Living the way the Bible says to live and letting that wash over you produces way, way better results. I mean, think about what is the Bible about? I mean, the Bible's about having good relationships and treating people right, and right? I mean, what's wrong with that? How can you go wrong when you're doing that? And it's interesting, too, because there's times where it gets very specific. So, I mean, if you look at this, it says, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Isn't that funny how it's connected to what we read before in Psalms? Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. And that's just one section in here. But Paul in Ephesians, he talks about us living as children of light, and he gives us examples. He says, don't live like you used to do. You used to be hopelessly confused. Your minds were full of darkness, and you wandered far from the life God gives. Here's all about the mind. He says, you've closed your mind and hardened your hearts against him. Doesn't that sound familiar? Sound like people you know? Talking about the world, it says they have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. And then he says, instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So wash your mind and let it be what you were supposed to be all along. And then he gets into some specifics. He he says, so stop telling lies. 
Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Then he says, if you're a thief, quit stealing. I mean, who can argue against this? Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. I mean, you can't, you can't, that's nothing to argue with there. Then he talks about in, in verse 30, and he says, don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing um, that you will be saved on the day of redemption. And then he gets real specific again. He says, he says, get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. I mean, that is good stuff. It's so practical. You can't even argue about it. I look at it like this. It's mind control, really. <laughs> I mean, it's washing your mind, and then it's you controlling your mind. But in all of this, you have a choice, a big choice. Like I said before, you can choose to be teachable, and as you read these scriptures, they can flow over you and change the way you think and change your attitudes, or you can go on with the way you are. We can do that. He'll do his part. The only variable is, variable is us. When I think about uh, mind control, again, we have a choice. Paul clearly tells us, he says, don't worry about anything. Who can control worry? Evidently, Paul thinks you can. By yourself? No, no. We were talking with Dave early right before church and talking about, um, actually, Brittany, Brittany Wright, pa- Pastor Nick's wife was saying, man, I talked to Debbie and she didn't seem worried at all. I'm thinking she had to be worried a little bit. I mean, I would have been worried, you know? But he says not to worry, and he gives a formula for not worrying. He says, instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need, and then thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand, because in in normal life, worry is normal. But he's saying that your peace he gives you will will exceed understanding, because it won't make sense that you're not worrying. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And then there's more mind control. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts, your brain, your mind. Fix them. You choose to fix them. You fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about those things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So what he's saying is instead of worry and those, those things that are bothering you, think about the things of God and things that are good and honorable and pure. You choose to do that. So you wash your mind of the worry and you put in the clean thoughts. And then he, he ends with saying, keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, and then the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. So let's do this for a minute. Would you shut your eyes again one more time? I'm curious, and, and this is a rhetorical question. I do not want you to raise your hands, but I do want you to think and answer between you and God. How much does your mind need washed tonight? I mean, it varies for me day to day, but I'm just wondering for you, how much does your mind need washed? It's not even a question of if, because I think we all become subject to things that are around us and we might see with our eyes or hear with our ears or, or encounters we may be in. The fact is, we all need a mind-washing 
We all need it. I, I want to encourage you to and challenge you even to do some of the mind washing we talked about, whether it's putting yourself in the person of a character in Scripture or, or, or meditating on a portion of Scripture and reading it silently, reading it aloud, letting God wash your mind with a section of Scripture because he will do it. He wants to do it. Like somebody said, he, it's his will for us to live like this. He wants it even more than we do. I want to challenge you tonight to make a commitment to read the word that way this week, just between you and God. It might help to get an accountability partner, say, hey, you know, here's what I'm going to do. Would you do it with me or do it also or check on me? It's your choice, though. It always comes down to that. It's our choice. Are we going to live like that or not? We choose. You choose. Let me close in prayer with us. Dave, if you could put some music on. and I'm going to close in prayer, and I'm going to invite you to pray. If you want to spend some time praying in here right now, or if you want to open the, your word, and maybe one of these scriptures that we have looked at just now, maybe even that Philippians 8 or 4.8, it's a great scripture to contemplate and to think about. And maybe just spend some time letting the word wash over your mind for a few minutes. It's early yet. It's only eight after. Kids won't be done for a little while. The youth won't be done for a little while. I just want to encourage you to take some time and stay in his presence and let him wash your mind. Father, I come before you as someone who needs my brain washed a lot. And God, I pray that you would do that tonight. Do that today. Do that tomorrow. As somebody said tonight, it's a continual process that we need over and over and over. God, I humble myself before you and admit that fact that I need that. I pray that you would do that in my mind tonight. In all of our minds tonight, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you tonight.